Welcome to Evangelistic Center Church. Well, this morning we are going to continue our James series. Um, I told you last week there will probably be three more messages. I'm kind of convinced that we will, we will conclude the study in the book of James next week. Um, very specifically, um, something that I want you to do next week. Um, next week we are going to talk about at the end of James chapter 5, um, we see where James writes about any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and they will anoint him with oil and they will pray. And that the prayer of faith will what? It will save the sick. And so we will conclude the study in James next week with that passage. And so what I'm going to ask you to do this week, and I don't care which meal or day or time or however you want to do it, I'm not, I'm not here to to uh, completely lay it all out, A, B, C, D, number system, but I'm going to ask you at some point this week to fast something. Fast a meal or a day or, or fast a, a soft drink, whatever, that something that the Lord lays on your heart to get rid of. I want you to do that this week. And then grab your Bible this week and two or three times, this week, two or three times, read through James 5 especially when you get down to the end about the prayer of faith and about praying for the sick, praying for those that, that have needs. And I want you to, I'm asking you to uh, fast a meal, pray in earnest, and to read through James 5, 2 or 3 or 4 or 100 times, however many times you can. And then come next Sunday, I'm going to ask that you come prepared to pray for those among us that, that need something special from the Lord, healing or deliverance or, or uh, encouragement, whatever it might be. So would you agree to do that with me this week? Amen. Uh, we, we like to say that, we quote the verse that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow after him. But typically when a pastor starts talking about the, the word F-A-S-T, people start getting a little close, a little tight. They say, oh, now you're getting in my business, Pastor. Um, so uh, this is going to be a, a week of denying ourselves. We're going to, I want this to cost us something this week. Whatever it is, you seek the Lord's counsel on that. And then you come here next Sunday prepared to worship and prepared to pray. And uh, we will... We will teach out of, the, out of the book of James there at the end of James chapter 5. That's my plan for next week. So uh, I will endeavor to get an email out to you this week and probably have Taylor put it on Facebook or something. But um, I wanted to be sure I got that out today before I got into my message. Well, uh, so we're going to continue our study in James, and we've made it to chapter 5, so we're kind of coming down the home stretch in the book of James. Um, the first six verses of chapter 5, I'm not going to specifically preach those today. They primarily deal with riches and materialism. And I talked a lot about, I took a whole sermon back when we began this series in James three or four, well, it's been 12 weeks, uh, 12 weeks back. And I talked about the rich and the poor. Uh, that was actually week three. I talked about that um, back in week three. So if you want to hear some teaching on the way that God looks at money, you can go back on the church uh, website and listen to week three. Um, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about money today. Um, let me just summarize it like this. These first six verses of James 5, it's really an admonishment that we keep money in its proper place. 
that money doesn't become our idol, that it doesn't become our God, that it's not what drives us. Um, because money will tempt us to materialism over godliness. That's really what happens. So um, that's what the first part of James 5 teaches. But I specifically want to start today. We'll begin in verse number 7. Um, and we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago too. James kind of loops back around here at the end. Um, but today specifically, I'm going to talk to you about patience. And uh, don't check out. I even wrote that on my notes, don't check out, because when you hear somebody say, we're going to talk about patience, we immediately think, man, I don't got time for that. Uh, We immediately think, well, there's not anything really all that spiritual with patience. Uh, I was coming to have my spirit lifted today. Well, I think think you're going to see that in a moment. Um, I don't think this will be the same kind of sermon you've heard on patience maybe before, Um, but... Uh, specifically how I want to address patience with you today is we're going to talk about patience to endure in this life because of what awaits us in the next. We're going to talk about patience in this life because of what awaits us in the next. And so one of my, uh, one of my favorite memories is, uh, I want to use this kind of as an illustration of, of patience. My sister, I was making sure my sister was here. I'm going to talk about my sister today. Um, and I don't do that a whole lot, mostly because I'm scared of her. Um, and, uh, and I'm scared of her, and Jay's outright terrified. So uh, we, we let, no, I'm not really scared of her, at least when I'm up here and she's down there. Um, one of my very favorite memories of childhood is every Christmas Eve with my sister. And my sister thinks I don't like her, but I do, but don't y'all tell her that I do. But I like my sis, and I'm proud of her. But uh, my favorite memories, so many of them revolve around my sister. And specifically, this happened at Christmas Eve, and probably before I even tell you the story, she probably already knows what I'm going to say. But at bedtime every Christmas Eve, now, now I will say that our family tradition was at Christmas Eve with my parents that we opened all of our gifts on Christmas Eve. Um, and if it would have been up to my dad, we would have opened all of our gifts December 1st if it was left up to my dad. But... Mom would usually able to, to hold him off till Christmas Eve, but every Christmas Eve, then when it would uh, it would be bedtime. So we're even even, and I'm actually even talking about you know when, well I started to say something in case there's a child in here I won't say that, but we we would come to bedtime and we would literally be so excited that we couldn't contain it. You'd know what I was going to do, didn't you? She's already grinning, and we would literally be overwhelmed with excitement, so much so that we could barely sleep. And I am not joking about this. This is not for effect. I'm telling you the gospel truth in church. We would literally have to run around in circles and jump up and down, dive on the bed, get back out of the bed, roll around the floor, because we had so much energy, there was no possible way that we were going to be able to go to sleep. Anybody else ever as pretty of that, or is it just me and my sister? We can even, I, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to. I wasn't even going to do this, but it would always, it would start like, now you got to remember, this is not 52-year-old Noah. This was, this is 12-year-old Noah. It would literally, it would be so crazy. That, I'm going to go ahead and watch you do it. You're going to do it with me. Are you ready? We would really go. <laughs> See, she did it right when I did that. She knew what I was going to say. It was literally like, and we couldn't. And so we would get in bed, and we're literally like quivering. We're so freaked out about, it's going to be so awesome. Every Christmas Eve. 
I mean, it, I'm not joking. It was like we were going to blow up in anticipation of what awaited us uh, the next morning. I will also tell you, this is not a Christmas sermon, but I will also tell you that my sister, um, I didn't know this until, even, actually even just a few years ago, I didn't know this, but she would sneak and look at presents. I think she'd peel the wrapping back and look at stuff. I Believe it or not, I didn't do that. Um, I did a lot of other stuff, but I didn't do that one. Um, but And then she told me, she said she'd get up at like 2 in the morning and go in. And didn't you say you like completely unwrapped them a time or two? I thought you said. Close enough, yeah. And so when she would wake me up, it would always still be like 5.30 in the morning. She'd already been up like two hours. So it was always, it was really a big deal when uh, it was Christmas at our house. Um, and I won't ever forget that. I, I sincerely have really fond memories of that, of that with my sister. Uh, and sometimes, even now, I said I wasn't going to, it didn't apply to the, the Noah you see today, but sometimes I still a little bit feel like that <laughs> at, at Christmas Eve when I'm trying to go to sleep. But So uh, I said that to say this. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been so excited about something that you thought, I don't know how I can wait even one more minute for this to happen? Anybody been so excited about that at all? Anything at all? A few of you? All right. I, I'm going to preach really long if you don't start participating. Anybody been excited about anything ever? Okay, that's better. That's better. Uh, I do want to use one more short illustration. That way I can get my fruitiness out early in the message. But uh, we went, we went uh, and threw axes on Friday. And Ryan's not officially in the family yet, but it's time because now I've done all I could to run him off. And he's still here, so it's time that he get picked on from the pulpit. It's time for him to earn the stripes. And uh, he does not like attention, so make sure everybody stare at him right now. Everybody, everybody's looking at you right now. We're in there throwing axes, and we stink. I mean, nobody's doing anything. They're just clanking off the wall, and we're cracking up because the first one to throw, the first one, actually, I think I was the first one to throw, wasn't I? And I, I actually did get the first one to stick, and then I missed like 20 in a row. Well, anyway, we're all throwing real bad, and so I lift off at Ryan, and I said, grab an axe. Best out of three, winner gets Samantha. <laughs> True story. True story. Ryan, Ryan couldn't even hit the whole wall until I said that. Dude nailed three axes right in a row. <laughs> I mean, uh, so... If that means anything, I don't know, but he stepped his game up. So now I know how to, actually, I did tell him in Sunday school, I think it was in Sunday school, I said, what they really don't know is I was missing on purpose because I don't want her back. <laughs> I talk tough, don't I? Have you ever been so excited for something that you thought, man, I don't know how I can even wait one more minute? I, there's something coming, and I, I told you that little silly story with, with, about Samantha and... Uh, and Ryan, because I know, and those of you that are married, you've been there. You know the excitement that leads up to, you know, they're just down to a few weeks before the wedding. And so um, if you've ever been so excited for something, I, I think I would call that a patience in anticipation. In other words, you've got to have, you've got something so exciting that's coming around, and it's unbearably hard to wait for it in that moment. Patience in that anticipation is hard, right? That makes sense. I mean, it's hard to wait when you know something is coming. My sister and I, it was hard to go to sleep because we knew what awaited Christmas Eve morning. On your wedding night, you won't sleep. You stay awake because something good is coming. 
But there's another kind of patience I want to talk to you about today, and I would call this the patience of apprehension. And that would be the kind of patience when you're waiting for something bad to end. You ever had anybody ever had to endure with that kind of patience? You're waiting for something bad to end or something that you dread, you want it to hurry up and be over. I have a patience in apprehension for doctor's visits, illnesses, tax season. You have to be patient in all of those things because you have to endure, and so to endure requires patience, patience in difficult times. So really, whether it's bad or good, easy or difficult, we've got to have patience. And everybody has learned that intuitively we know that we've got to have some sort of patience. You have to be patient in both good and bad seasons of life. So now as we have uh, found our way to the end of the book of James, we find another exhortation of patience. And that's what you see here in James chapter 5. And really what James is doing, church, is he's encouraging us to have patience. But the focus of this patience has changed. And, and this is the gist, the, this is the, the reason that you're here today that I want to make sure you grasp this morning. The, the focus of our patient has changed. And instead of rejoicing that God gives patience in trials, which is what we've been encouraged to do, certainly, James is now telling us to draw on patience, and this is important, but James is encouraging us to draw on patience as we await for something to happen. Something is coming, and James tells us, you need to be patient. And he tells us to be patient because there is an unshakable hope that is associated with that patience. And what you and I are waiting for is Christ's return for us. What we are waiting for is is the promise of this unshakable hope. We have this unshakable hope in who Christ is. And James, when you get down to verse 7 of chapter 5, James specifically tells us, you and I together, that we are supposed to be patient. Let me read those verses for you so you can see just exactly how James wrote that. We'll start at verse 7 of James 5. Now listen to this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient. Not a single amen. Nobody likes patience. What's that old joke? I prayed for patience, but I couldn't wait for it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient. Until what? The Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. And you have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let's pray over the word today. Father, thank you for this word, this, these verses in the book of James. The Lord, would you um, cause them to become alive in our spirit that we would understand it. Lord, write them upon the tables of our heart that when we leave here that they will make a profound and lasting impact on how we live. In Jesus' name, amen. So whoever's running my slides, put verse 7 back up there or you already got it on there. He says, brothers and sisters, be patient. Why? Why be patient? Well, the Lord's coming. 
How many of you heard this your whole life, the Lord's coming? Did you, have you heard it in this church since I've been here that the Lord was coming? How about, I hope every week. But guess what? Today, church, we're seven days closer to Him coming than we were the last time we were here. We're closer than the last time when we were here. And James says to be patient, and I find it interesting that he tells us to be patient because the Lord's coming. And, and I think he's writing this to everybody who would call themselves a disciple of Christ. He says, be patient, endure, don't quit, don't give up. Why? Because the Lord's coming. Don't, don't get weary in heart. Don't faint in your spirit. Don't become discouraged. Hang in there, child, because the Lord's coming. All the way back when we began this journey through James, we talked about patience and we talked about it in the form of endurance. That was in James chapter 1, verse 3. And it just simply said this, if the testing of your faith produces endurance. And endurance was just another way to say patience. The King James translates that word endurance as patience. So in James 1, that endurance is, is this. It is tolerance, forbearance, patience, perseverance. In other words, this endurance serves a spiritual purpose in your life. Patience is a, it serves to work for the good in your life. And, and how it works is it matures our faith. Have you ever noticed that mature people are patient people? I mean, wouldn't we say, and, I mean, and, and, and I'm sure it might be a little bit questionable, especially if you talk to my wife, just to how mature I am. It would probably depend upon who you ask, you know, of how mature I am. If you would have saw us making fun of each other, throwing axes, you would have said, well, not that mature. But I would like to believe that as we get older physically that we get more patience, right? We learn that things don't happen overnight, that, that we can't always just get what we want right now. Sometimes we wait. Children haven't learned that. Children always say, mine, mine. And they do this with their hands a lot. Right? Have you all seen that? Mine. And, and, and James is saying of patience, he says it will mature you, not so much in our physical body, but it will mature our faith. And here's why. Because uh, I'm talking to all the saints, you folks that have been Christians for a while. After you have witnessed firsthand God's faithfulness, you begin to learn that he is faithful and that sometimes that faithfulness, we might not be able to perceive it on day one of the trial, but eventually we see the Lord faithful to his word we see what we've prayed for come to pass we see what it is that we've have longed for and what we've struggled with we've seen it resolved right i have any saints in here that's been through some junk anybody here been through stuff that was hard and when you come out of the other side don't you always have more faith than when you went in and probably and i don't want to speak for you but probably most every one of you uh, that said amen or raised your hand most every one of you that's been through something uh, it's, it's pretty rare that, that, that those trials, that it, that it rids you of faith or that it removes you from faith. Typically what we see happen is even though the bad came and we had to go through it, what we typically see is our faith grows. See, that's one of the things that non-believers or atheists or agnostics or whatever name that the world wants to give themselves, that's something that they can't understand about you. Because where they say, well, if God was good, why is there trouble? And you and I say, in trouble, God is good. 
I'm going to give you another shot at that one, Don. In trouble, God is good. In trouble, God is good. And when you endure enough trials, you too become immovable and unshakable because, I like to say it like this, because you have been through the fire and you've seen God work. You've been through the difficult stuff and you've seen God work. And I want to tell you, you meet some saint that's got a few scars, I can tell you there ain't much that shakes them. There's not much that gets them down. Now, I, I, I pick on my dad a lot, rightfully so. I pick on my dad a lot. But, but my dad has taught me something important. And in case, Dad, I never told you this, I'm going to tell you right now in front of God and everybody. My dad has been through some stuff, and he has taught me, you just keep going every day, and you just keep reading that word every day, and you just keep praying every day, and it will be okay. And he knows that because he's been through stuff. My mom mom doesn't tell me as much because mom is like, mom's worse than me. She can't talk to me without crying. But my mom, she she was the one that told me from a little boy to trust in the Lord and and that God's going to be with you and you just pray and son, everything's going to be okay. And see, when we get older and we've gone through enough stuff, then we learn that, hey, you know what? I can't see right now with these eyes. I cannot see God's hand. I can't see the work but I trust that he's working on my behalf. And, and if we believe Romans, Romans eight twenty eight, then we know that all of this stuff in our life is working on our behalf for our good. And you say, well, how in the world does God work sickness for your good? I don't know, but the Bible says he does. And I've told you before, I won't, we don't, we're not going to talk about my story, but I've told you a hundred times, it's hard for me to say, man, I'm so glad that I went through that illness. That's hard for me to say that because, because of the, the pain that it was. But I can tell you that I am who I am today because of what happened yesterday. Because of what happened for eight years of my life, something in me is different today. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And so when we've been through some stuff, we've learned this patience. We've learned to patiently trust. And in that, then what happens is nothing then, church, takes our eyes off the promised salvation. Nothing then, then can get our eyes to look for, for direction and for deliverance from anywhere other than in God himself. And so I, I think I would summarize it like this. We learn to patiently endure because we trust God and because ultimately we know what awaits the Christ follower. Amen? Let me read verse 7 to you again. It's still on the screen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. Now, much like James did in chapter 1, James again encourages the believer, those that are suffering, to be patient. He started out the book with patience and he's ending the book with patience. Now, it's more than just a call to be patient. It's more than just a simple, okay, be patient because that would, that would be really broad and we wouldn't really know what it means. But I think, this is a, I think this is a call towards patience in light of hope. See, it's one thing to be patient without hope, right? I mean, you can be patient for a lot of things, but if you don't have any hope, I almost would say that that would be blind patience, right? It would be patience without any hope of, of anything being any different. You could see no future in it. 
But James isn't saying, well, I would say it like this. He's not saying we'll just grin and bear it. I've never studied philosophy, so if any of you have, and I get this a little bit wrong, forgive me, but if memory serves from my study at Bible school, there were Greek philosophy really influenced the early church, the early church of the 300s, 400s, 500s. And specifically, uh, there was a, a, a philosophy of the Stoics. That was the name. There were Stoics and Cynics were the other ones. I could not think of them. Cynics, the Stoics and the Cynics. And the Stoics were kind of known for this. Well, you just have to take it. Just grin and bear it. You just got to take it. Right? That kind of sounds like something that, uh, kind of sounds like something Grandma would say when you got in trouble, right? You just sit there and take it. I think I just had a flashback. I think that's what that was. <laughs> this is not James just saying, well, you know what? Just take it. It isn't that. Let me give you another example of what it isn't. The patience James is talking about here, church, doesn't mean to sit around and twiddle your thumbs and do nothing. Y'all know what it means to twiddle thumbs? Anybody under 30 know what it means to twiddle thumbs? It means to do this? I got to ask you one more question. Does anybody ever actually do that? Except when you say twiddle your thumbs? Maybe, Jay, I think maybe you do do that. He's not saying... Well, just just grin and bear it. He's not telling the church to sit around and twiddle your thumbs. That's not the kind of patience James is talking about. This is patience that is more than, it's more than this. And I'm really not trying to be funny here. But it's more than the kind of patience that you need when you have a 9 o'clock doctor's appointment and it's 1030 and you're still sitting in the waiting room. My favorite thing to get frustrated at the doctor is you'll have a 930 appointment they call your name at 9.32 and you think, hey, we're on time today. But then they get you back in the second room of despair, I like to call it. And then you get in the room of despair and then they set you back there for like an hour. And I'm always cranky. Every time. But you can't act cranky because then they'll poke you and it hurts. I'm not talking about that kind of patience. Sure, that is, I think there is biblical truth in that kind of patience. And this is where I would relate that kind of patience. Stick with me for a second. I would call that the Galatians 5 fruit of the Spirit patience. So for all of us that are doing the discipleship group together, we studied patience a while back, a few weeks ago. That's that kind of patience. And I think, I think it applies here too. There is some truth in that of being patient people. You know, you don't got to honk at folks in the, in the drive-thru. You don't got to ram people with your card at Walmart. I mean, there's, there's patience of that, of that too. But, but the patience that James is talking about here is more than that. This is a patience to endure trial. This is a patience to endure persecution. This is patience that allows you to overcome and endure disappointments. How many of you know that sometimes we have trial and sometimes we have pain and sometimes we're disappointed? This is patient to endure difficult people. It's patience in injustice. It's patience in anything that causes you pain or strife or agony. This is this kind of patience. And this is what I think James is saying here in James 5. I'd say it like this. He's calling for a patience amid all the things that happen in life, both good and bad, be patient. No matter what comes your way, be patient. And I would call this, I told you earlier we talked about life 
uh, or anticipation patience. I would call this life patience. Just be patience in life. Whether good or bad, be patient. Don't give up. Don't make rash decisions. Don't make rash judgments, but be patient. Now hang in here with me a little bit longer. Let me read verse 7 again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient. When you go to the restaurant today and the waitress says, what did your pastor preach about today? You're going to say what? Oh, my goodness, i got to start over. There's only four of you figured out we're talking about patience. Okay, back to page one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Now, this is pretty cool. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. I find it really interesting that to illustrate patience that James uses the example of a farmer. What do farmers do after they plant their crops? Do they drag out the old rocking chair, sit on the porch, and do this? <laughs> no. Do they not do that? Maybe that's why my garden doesn't grow. Farmers don't, they don't drag out the old rocking chair, sit on the porch until they get a harvest. They don't do that. But what does the farmer do? Well, he cares for the crop. The farmer does work to eliminate weeds. He fertilizes and he does things to prevent insects from destroying everything he's planted. He waters and fertilizes and cares and he hoes and he tills and he weeds and he cares for. And, he, and if you've got tomato plants, you drive a rod in the ground or a tomato cage and you, you prop them up. And there's a lot of work that goes into a garden when you plant. And James chooses to use this illustration and he specifically says, See how the farmer waits and he's patient with it until it receives the early and the latter rain. I think the King James calls it the latter rain. And scholars tell me in the climate of Palestine, in the Middle East where, where the Scripture was written, that the early and the latter rains were unique in that area. The early rain would come in October, and when it showed up in October, that rain would prepare the ground for planting seed. It would, it would add nourishment and it would soften up the soil. Can you imagine trying to plant a garden right now in Oklahoma? It's like trying to dig a shovel through asphalt, isn't it? Through concrete. It's not going. All you do is jump up and down on the shovel and hurt your foot. But the October rains, the early rain would come and soften the ground and prepare it for the crops. And that would be in October. And then sometime around March and April, then the latter rain came. And when that latter rain came, then it began to feed the crops and nourish the crops, and it would guarantee a bountiful harvest. Especially like how a man named Alex Motyer illustrates this in his commentary. He says this, Faith meets life's tests, and through patience, and not without it. Faith grows into full maturity of settled character. It grows into full maturity of settled character. Let me show you an example of that that we talked about in week three of our series all the way back in James 1. James 1 and 2, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. And Mottier continues, he says, James' doctrine of the Christian life is a doctrine of process. It's a doctrine of growth. 
and to grow, patience is a requirement. And, and if, you, if you could take notes, if you are, or if, or if you want to listen back and write this down, I would encourage it. We neither drift into holiness, nor are we wafted there by some heavenly visitation. We grow to holiness, and like every harvest, it's a process. Let me say that again. We neither drift into holiness. In other words, we don't accidentally become holy. We don't drift into holiness. We aren't wafted there. In other words, we're not just floating around and there's some heavenly visitation that just blows us into holiness. That's not how it works. You and I, church, grow to holiness and like every harvest, it's a process. We grow into holiness. Now, the reason I told you that is I want to go back to verse 7 again. And I want you to see this because he says in verse 7, the farmer waits and he's patient from the early to the latter rain. And the early rain prepares the ground. And, and the early rain, uh, it gets everything ready for the seed. And how many of you today, this morning, would tell me, you know what, Pastor, there was a time in my life that I felt a con- the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and if, you're, if you're my age or older, this might be how your salvation experience looked like. Uh, please get this this morning. Maybe, maybe for you, maybe it looked like this. Maybe there was a lady, and in the churches I was in, it was always a lady. And I know they're going to have our time filming, but you don't have to even move the camera. I'll come back. But a lady would come down, and she'd be preaching, and she'd start looking around, and I don't know how y'all would do it, but I would turn my eyes. Don't make eye contact with her, because if you do, that's kind of like how y'all do me every time it's time to pray. I'll look around the room, not one person, everybody's shoe untied at the same time. This lady would come down and she'd be praying and she'd, she'd start saying something like, somebody here's a running. That's how they would always say it. Somebody here's a running. And they'd be singing and they'd, I ain't going to really do it to you, but they'd come back. This is how my dad said they'd do it. And they'd say, listen, you're going to pray. And they'd get you by that ear. And you go and pray. Anybody ever get the ear twist salvation? Anybody beside me? They come get you. They get a hold of you and you're going to pray. And I don't know that that was the right way to do it, but I want to tell you this. I'm thankful for folks that that went and found kids like me and said, we're going to go pray, and you're going to meet Jesus. And we'd make that walk down to the front, and there'd be an old altar. And I've never claimed to be a tough guy, but I want to tell you, when I went down to that altar, there there were people lined up there praying, and tears flooded the altar. And we stood with hands raised to God, and the Holy Spirit came inside of us and and indwelt us and rejuvenated us and restored us and brought us to life. And those hearts that were hard and and contrary to everything that God had began to be replaced with a fleshly heart that sought after God and that loved and served Him. And we call that getting saved. And James James says that there's an early rain. There's an early rain that prepares the ground. And and this is what I think the early rain, uh, the preparedness of the ground, this is what I think it looks like in you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul writes, For the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Instead, think sensibly. And this is the part I want you to see. As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. See, what James is saying is in the early rain, 
In the early rain, we begin prepared for the harvest. At the beginning of your salvation, God planted a seed in your heart. And at the very beginning, the Holy Spirit prepared your heart for the harvest. In the very beginning, God began to work in you. And he did something in you and changed you. And the you did not exist before that moment. And in that moment, when the Holy Spirit washed over you, you became brand new. You became a Christ follower. And in that moment, heaven was your destination. Right? I don't know how they do it now. I mean, I was telling somebody the other day, I think everybody under about 35 are nuts. But I got news for everybody that I just said that about. When you're my age, you're going to think the same thing about them. The one thing I will say is 80s music is the greatest decade of music in the history of the world. And if you don't believe me, even the kids still listen to it. So uh, end of debate. James says this of the rain. The early rain, it, the, the early rain prepares the ground. And then he says this. And then what does the latter rain do? Well, then the latter rain prepares the crop for harvest. Uh, This is what I want you to see in this. Over the course of our life, we experience God's faithfulness. Amen? We experience His faithfulness, and then this is what we do. We glory in the sanctification that He's wrought in our life. Everybody knows what sanctification means? That just is a fancy word preachers like to use. It just means we're being made more like Jesus every day. Right? Okay. So, over the course of our life, we experience His faithfulness, And then we glory in the sanctification that the Holy Spirit has wrought in our life. Now, we've endured trials. We've endured disappointments. We've endured all manner of things in this journey. And in this journey, our faith grows. See, now you're starting to see the image of the farmer that James uses. Because in the early rain, at the beginning, faith was planted in our hearts. Jay, God gave me faith in the beginning. In the beginning, He put something in me that allows me to do what the unsaved cannot do. And I meant to preach faster today, but I'm slow. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I don't know why I said that. Something happened in me. I was listening to some apologetics, and this this high and mighty atheist, he said, and he's really well known, uh, and he said to the guy he was debating, he said, name one thing that a Christian can do that I can't. And I paused the video and I thought, wow, I don't know. And I didn't. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to think. What can a Christian do or that an atheist can't? And then this guy, he said, I figured it out. He said, I mulled over this for a couple of months. I thought it through and I figured it out. The Christian can call him Lord. The Christian calls him Lord. An atheist can't. And it means everything. So see, here's what's happening. Here's why James uses the early and the latter rain. Because in the early part, we received faith. We were regenerated. We, we, became, we passed from death into life. But that wasn't the end result. And so then, from that moment forward, then we are just marching towards 
our eternity. Every day we keep marching. And then James says, I'm going to show you how this works for a farmer because he plants the crop and then he waits and then he waits and then when the latter rain comes and he harvests the crop. See, this is how this applies to you because when you're saved, you receive that seed of faith and then as you begin to walk according to this, you begin to walk in this world, guess what? I know what seeds do in the ground. They begin to germinate. And see, so, so we start walking, we get saved and then we start walking and... And then we've been saved two or three months, and then a new baby gets sick. So then we pray over that baby. And then maybe we even had to take him, uh, we had to take Samantha to the ER one night, running like 104 fever. And then we take her to the ER, and then they do some stuff, and she had an ear infection or whatever. And uh, then we go back home, and then guess what? Well, then I've taken one more step, and my faith's been growing. And then maybe I, I go a little bit further, and then Lindsay comes on, and then and Lindsay was really colicky, and we had a lot of trouble. She couldn't sleep, and... And really a lot of struggle with, with Lindsay. And, uh, but we prayed, and then and Rusty, they told us not to give her any milk. Don't give her any milk at all. And, and praise the Lord for mamas with faith. Because Rusty said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I prayed over this child, and, and I'm giving her milk. And so she gave her milk. Go figure. She wasn't allergic to milk anymore. Wait a minute, but she was a week ago, but she's not now. Why? I hope y'all are seeing where I'm going. To see that 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 seed that the farmer planted, that seed that of faith that was planted in my heart when I called on the name of Jesus. See, in those things, it began to grow, and and things began to happen. And then Lindsay was about sixth grade, and then she got really, really ill, and we took her out of school for like four years, and she was really sick, and we prayed. And, we fasted, and, and then you all know my story, and, and Rusty would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and sit in the living room and cry for days and days and not eat for days and days, and we would go through all this, and then guess what? Then the next thing we know, Lindsay goes to college, and then Lindsay gets married, and then, and then Lindsay's now going to begin teaching at Tecumseh schools next week, and then, and then the Lord allowed me to come over here and be a pastor. And, and then I, I remember stories of how the, the Lord, he, he rescued my dad when my dad... Dad lost his eye, and when he cut his ear practically off. And, then, and I remember that. Well, see, James says, be patient like the farmer. In other words, see, that seed's growing, church. It's germinating in there, Joe. It's just building, and as stuff happens, kind of like those seeds, I can't always see what's happening under that ground, but I trust that when that rain comes that that thing's going to grow. And so I just keep marching. And Sean, has developed anything happened to you in your life that you look back on and you have faith today you didn't have then? See, that faith begins to grow, right? I, I was moved this morning. I can't, is Ron and Dale in here? I can't see him. If wherever you, y'all got to quit sitting on the back row. This isn't a Baptist church. Just kidding. Just joke, joking. Y'all don't even know. I might get in trouble for telling you, but she's back there and I'm up here. But Dale's going through a really difficult season in her life with her health. And I don't know if you caught it, but when she showed up this morning and worshipped, let me tell you what was happening. That, that grass, that, that seed was beginning to grow just a little bit more. Just begin to grow just a little bit higher. And James says, be patient. The farmer gets the early rain, Joe, and then the, then the latter rain comes. So the faith that's in us, it starts to germinate, and it starts to grow, and then life comes, and things happen, and we fall down, and we get back up. And then James would go a little bit further, and we get knocked back, and then we get back up. And then marriage gets difficult or children are difficult or illnesses come or financial things happen. Marriages break up. Things happen to us. And, and James says, but in all of it, you just be patient. 
You just be patient because what's coming is worth it. And if you read, I read it to you a moment ago, and I want to close with this. He says, as that seed begins to grow in you, the reason that you're patient is the harvest is coming. And, and the harvest, and now let me tell you something. The harvest isn't this. The harvest is not everything's going to be great. The harvest is eternity with the king. That's the harvest. You are patient in trial, not because all the trials are going to work out like you want, but because the destination is certain. The rain's coming. The rain's coming. And the destination is certain. And one day, either when the sky splits and the trumpet blows and we are raptured out of here, or if they put me in a box in the ground, be patient. Because one day, the latter rain's going to come and I will, at that point, finally receive everything that God has promised to me. And that is an eternity with Him in heaven. Amen. I think it's pretty cool that He uses a farmer. I've tried growing stuff. I mean, the thing, where's Leon? Leon, you still in here somewhere? There's Leon. How many plants, tomatoes, did you plant last year? 800 tomato plants. And... I'm pretty sure that Naja wanted to choke him more than once. But I watched as they grew, and then it was this harvest. I mean, Leon, you had more tomatoes. I, I think I would call that more than enough. <laughs> that literally just popped in my head right then. That's kind of funny. I could have the worship team come up. See, he says... He says some good stuff in here. He says a lot of really good things here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, and he's patient with it until it receives the early and the late rain. You also be patient. Strengthen your hearts. And, and this is why he tells them to. You must always be patient and strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. So why are we patient today? The Lord's coming. Marilyn, the Lord's coming. Dave, the Lord's coming. <laughs> Kevin, the Lord's coming. Rosie, the Lord's coming. Janie, the Lord's coming. Wendy, the Lord's coming. Be patient, church. Hang in there. Keep going. One foot in front of the other. Joe, the Lord's coming. He's coming. I got, wait a minute. Are we still in a, is this still a, is this still a Protestant church? Why are we here? Why are we here? We're waiting on that rain. The Lord's coming. Dad, the Lord's coming. Mama, the Lord's coming. Leon, the Lord's coming. <laughs> 